Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from her palatial two-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Di Billick. Di, how are you? I'm great. I just added a third bedroom onto my apartment. Oh, okay. Just knock out some walls, get that done. Yeah. Just uh, a, like a long weekend. Yep. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a gaming room. Excellent. It's, it's just all my games in there. That's I'll, all. I have a lot of chains hanging from the ceiling for a gaming room. Exactly. I know. It's, it's weird, and it smells like mold. If you need an allergy pill, just let me know. You know, I, I haven't thought I needed an allergy or allergy pills yet. Uh, maybe I should get an allergy first and come back to you on the pills. Perfect. Uh, so you're not allergic to Medank uh, Game Room. Good. Good to know. Yeah. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, die. What have you been playing? Holy cow. So, as you know, I do this little thing called winter hibernation. So, due to winter hibernation, I can justify spending a bunch of money on games. So, I just did my game run. I have been playing Cuphead, which is a game that it's a platformer, and boy, oh boy, is it very difficult. (laughs) It's so difficult. I got it for the Xbox One. If, do you remember when the trailer came out in 2015? Yes, yeah, we actually covered that on this podcast in, in one of our E3 episodes. Fantastic. Do you remember being so excited and saying, wow, the visuals in that, gorgeous, wonderful, great? Because that's what I said. And it came out, what, September 29th? Yes, I, I think that is the release date, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I love it. I love it very much. It reminds me a lot of Contra, actually. Oh, I totally buy that. Yeah, yeah. Lots of old school uh, side scrolling 2D shooters like that, like uh, Gunstar Heroes or Contra. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's excellent. Uh, and you've been playing on Xbox. How long have you been playing it? Like three hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I've only got like a half hour in myself. So, I mean, uh, it, and it's just like crazy, crazy hard. It's pretty hard. It's, I mean, it relies heavily on. Memorization. It reminds me of Mega Man in a way, but also not. I like the ability to buy the different weapons. You can buy a spread. I'm still kind of. I'm still getting used to the gameplay. I was kind of obsessed with the first level and uh, you know doing it the best <laughs> that I could. Uh, it's really fun. It's really really fun. And with the graphics. I understand why it has to be this way. It almost feels like they should be a little lower. There should be a little lower of a frame rate yes, to like I more agree. accurately match like old cartoons. Yes, I like that it's the way it is because there's so much going on. I feel like a lower frame rate would make it a little more impossible. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. it's gorgeous. the The background is all watercolor paintings and just. I mean, if you really look at it, it's hard to really look at it because there's so much going on. Mm. If you're in gameplay, unless you're a spectator or watching a video of it, which, you know, we all did and we watched the trailer like a hundred times, it's it's difficult to notice how beautiful the art is, but it's just gorgeous. And the jazz, 1930s soundtrack, everything about it is super fun. And I'm sure I'm going to jump out the window tonight after trying to beat it. <laughs> So far, it's like a solid half hour on like each level, just sitting there trying it over and over again. Yep. And it's got that good quality to it, like uh, Super Meat Boy, where you can just retry right away, just yep. snap right back into it. I think that's great when games that are so hard have like a low death penalty like that. Yes. 
Yeah, if during two players you can parry on your partner's ghost if you are playing two player and you can bring them back to life, but they only come back with one HP, where the regular is three HP when you start a level. That's a lot more forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have to be in the right place at the right time, though. So if you're, I mean, the boss battles are unbelievably fun because every boss is different. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's, so far. You play the level, the level is hard, and then you beat a small boss, and then you beat the individual bosses, right? Yeah, yeah. And you just go to the boss and beat them. You don't have to go through this arduous level beforehand. I love that about it. So fun. Like, I'm guessing that the levels where you move around a little bit before you get to the end were Mm -hmm. added. Because I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Like, this game was going to come out earlier, but they delayed it to add more content. I'm suspecting that the, like, just the levels that were the bosses only were the main part of the game, and then they added this other stuff in afterward. Interesting. And that's that's fun, because the levels the levels are fun. You have to, like, jump and uh, do the the move where you just kind of fly through the air. What is that called? Like the dash? Or? Yeah, the yeah. dash. Yeah, doing the dash, and, uh, like, all, also, like, fighting five enemies at the same exact time. One's shooting up at you, one's shooting across. One is coming up from the sky and dropping down on you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to do the dash, and then things are coming back up to life. Yeah, it's uh, it's very complicated. I feel like it would be a little harder with um, as a person who is who isn't used to playing platformers, someone who hasn't really done the the platformer style game. Someone's like a, <laughs> a first person shooter type, like. Uh, I've only played Overwatch, or I have played Grand Theft Auto only. It's it would be, I imagine it'd be pretty difficult to get used to. Yes, yeah, it, t- it takes a lot of uh, fluency with that kind of game yes. to understand how Cuphead works. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yep, and it's not an impossible wall to climb, but <laughs> it it is a little bit gated from uh, like beginner players. I think absolutely, yes, absolutely. I. Look forward to hearing about your agony. <laughs> uh, a plus game, <laughs> a plus bill. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Yeah, yeah, that that's been a very strong game so far. Yes. Uh, anything else? I have been playing something else. Uh, I I got uh, South Park: The Fractured But Whole on release date. Tell me about that. Tell so, about that. Uh, frustratingly, it required two updates. Ugh. Which, give me a break. Like, I bought it on the release day. I came home. I I put it into my Xbox. Come on, like, do better. Um, it's this one. So I didn't play the Stick of Truth, even though I really wanted to. Uh, I just didn't get to it. I was playing everything else. And you know how that goes. You know how life goes. So the Stick of Truth came free with the Fractured Butthole. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. That's a great value. It is a great value. And I hear really great things about the Stick of Truth. So I downloaded the Stick of Truth, and I just wanted to play the Fracture of the Hole first. Uh, So I came into it going, South Park RPG, okay, interesting. I wonder what type of style it will be. And it's a grid-style RPG. It is so fun. First of all, do you watch South Park? I've watched a bunch of South Park, yeah. Okay. I've watched every episode of South Park. Some of them... Way too many times. <laughs> I own DVDs. You know, like, uh, back around seasons five, six, seven, eight, nine, where you're like, you know, I was just getting into comedy writing and uh, just obsessing over it, and I was like, they're, they're so brilliant. And, like, 
you know, they're kind of preachy and up their own ass, but I like it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's really dumb. You know, like I love dumb humor. So when I'm playing this game, they make references to so many things. It's just, it's filled with those like special Easter eggs, but they're not Easter eggs. They're part of the game. Every part of the game is a is a South Park reference. Like I got, I have the ability to summon Moses. Because I went into the church and two priests tried molesting me. So, you know, I killed both of them in battle and uh, I have the summoning power of Moses now. And he heals my whole, my whole group. Just a natural A to B to C right there. <laughs> you, you have to... People would say, I think I'm on hour three and I'm like a completionist and I like to explore. And you have to unlock other... Uh, other uh, party members and the party members are you know Craig and Kyle and Jimmy so far I don't know it's all stuff from all of the episodes it's just so funny <laughs> yeah because they're all like superheroes right That that's like a, an episode plot or there was like a few episodes about that I think yes yes and it I think it's a continuation no it's not a continue it's a it's a it's what happens after the stick of truth but like I said it didn't play uh, but it's great standalone because I didn't play. I think, though, it might be not so fun if you've never watched South Park. I think you can get away with watching only some South Park and still really liking it if you're an RPG fan. Uh, there's there's a, there several missions and several little side missions where uh, you, need to, <laughs> you need to gather Coonstagram followers. And Coonstagram is like Instagram, but with... The coon, of ah, course, you understand. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, and do you remember Mr. Adler, the woodshop teacher? Oh, uh, the Quite guy messing around. Oh, yeah, yeah. stop messing around. <laughs> uh, I think that was season three where uh, that girl, uh, that girl he was dating, died. You're kind of like a stop messing around. Um, do you remember this guy? Yes, He's bald, he has a bandaid on his head. Okay, yeah. so of course, scrolling around, you ask him to take a selfie with you, and he goes, Only if you don't screw around. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And I, I move the joystick, and he's like, oh, Arcadet, you're screwing around. You have to, like, stay completely still. <laughs> but you don't have to do that for any of the other characters. Oh, that's Little, really good. Little tiny things like that make it so, make it so fun. Because it's, I don't know, there's, I don't think there's any, there's no situation yet where I've been bored or I'm like this is stale or this is going to get boring combat's fun you have a special move you get to pick what type of uh, what type of uh, moves you have and it's limited at first something that irritated me was they kept calling me dude and they kept calling me uh, a boy and there was no option to be a female and I was like what the hell and then I got a mission that said I had to go see the school counselor Mr. Mackey and he's like okay, well, uh, what gender do you identify as, okay? And I was like, a female, and he's like, oh, are you serious? And he called my parents to make sure, to make them, to let them know I was a female, because no one else knew I was a female, and then asked if I was cisgender or transgender. And when I said I was cisgender, when I left the school, uh, a bunch of rednecks came up and said, because I'm cisgender, that um, I, have to, I have to fight them. So then I had to fight them because... Um, it's, there's an episode that is, it, it's just, it satirizes, like, we don't like your kind around here, and, you know, talking about regular, regular people. 
so I just like some red. It's just little things like that make it super fun. Now, uh, you were talking about the, uh, you know, choosing your character. Mm -hmm. I, I, there was a little bit of controversy around the game before it released because of the, uh, the, the race slider that was part of building <gasps> the character. I loved that. It said, um, how, difficult do you, how difficult do you want this to be? And it's if you're very, very white, easy, and very, very dark, very difficult. It's, I mean, they're making a social commentary. What was the controversy around it? Just that, I mean... Well, just that it's kind of punching down. It's because it's, it's, a, it's a couple middle-aged white guys talking about sure. the, the struggles of black people sure. when they haven't lived that life. Of course. At the same time, none of the developers or writers were, I mean, were, were they all just white guys? I don't know. Do you think it's mainly Matt and Trey? I mean, I think they have a very large control over the game. Like, that was one of the things with the Stick of Truth, for sure, is that they had they were very in-depth, very hands-on with the game. Oh, okay. I could see that, especially now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I didn't think of it like that, but I, from that view, absolutely agree with that. The other thing they satirize in the show is uh, they had an episode that, um, well, it was the Michael Jackson episode, and they were like, talking about framing him uh, because he was a black guy and then they looked at him and they said that guy's not black you can't frame him and just this big deal out of it I was shocked when I was <laughs> during gameplay the cops told me that I had to catch and bust this drug dealer and you know I'm like exploring all the houses and I'm in Nicole's house who is an African American character Okay. and I go in and the cop comes up on the radar and he's like okay bust him and I'm like oh, this really is this what you're doing like clearly he's not a drug dealer and all the cops just want to bust all the black people in, in the game and I was like oh painful 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 but true I like that the commentary exists I understand what you're talking about if Matt and Trey are like the main people in charge absolutely but I like that the I like that the commentary exists and is out there because I feel like when it's not talked about, that's where we get the people who are saying you know that it, that it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I that is it's definitely a thing where you want people to be aware that this happens, right? That there is this systemic injustice going on. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, are these the people exactly. that should be talking about it? Exactly. Because, okay, so I posted I posted an article about this the other day. I, I ask you this every time. You're 31, right? I'm now 32. You're 32 now. Happy birthday. Whenever that was That was a the few Burger King. You got me the Burger King. That, that was in April. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, do you remember, um, I used to listen to uh, NWA and Ice Cube and stuff. Uh, when I was too young to listen to it, and, you know, all they talked about was police brutality, police um, uh, just targeting black people and people of color, and, I mean, this is a thing that's been talked that this is a thing that's been fucking, this is why rap music exists in my head, you know, thinking about it, and just, it's like listening to all that rap when I was younger. Like, clearly, I mean, that's how I learned about partial systemic racism, that's partially how I learned about it, and... Keith Olbermann last week said, do you remember when Eminem did, uh, like, his freestyle rap about uh, yeah. Trump? Yeah. Like, everyone's like, oh, man, this is, this, is, this is great, that was brilliant, like, holy cow. And it's like, no, 
he's a white rapper who's who's like freestyling and just kind of like oogity boogity about Trump and didn't even really say anything that smart. All this guy had to like listen to old NWA. It is still one hundred percent. I mean, it's like it's so sad, but it's still pertinent and it's still like totally applicable to our society. And these people are like, nah, Eminem, and it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. Like you're a white rapper, you have no idea. Like, ugh, that is where I agree with you. <laughs> I didn't think about I didn't think about Matt and Trey being like the main the main people making the social commentary. You know, and I would agree with that, that that it sucks that, you know, the white guy has to say something in order for, you know, the vehicle. To, but still, in my head, I feel like I like I get the frustration, but, you know, people have been saying it for years. People of color have been saying that stuff for years. But like, it, you know, it takes a white person to be to be listened to. I totally get that frustration. I am happy that at least people are starting to listen even if they're listening to the wrong people does that make sense it does yeah i I mean there is some value in talking about it right uh with regards to who says it i you know the the voice where it's coming from i think that is a a cause for concern for me and i my position isn't like i haven't held this position forever i mean i've watched tons of south park episodes i've watched team america i watched book of mormon i listened to the soundtrack a bunch of times so it's not like i can be like south park that's too lowbrow for me. Right. No, I've been there all the way. So, I mean, it's just this most recent time with this game, with the commentary that came up around it, people, uh, you know, uh, people that I would follow on Twitter, uh, black people, black uh, game players, gamers, writers, were like, eh, I don't know if I'm feeling too great about this. Mm. And I'm, I'm just trying to take that into consideration. Right. And it doesn't mean that you can't play the game and enjoy it. There are right. uh, troubling aspects to lots of popular media, and I, I wouldn't say that you have to... I mean, there's plenty of stuff that I like that we don't necessarily have to get into on this <laughs> podcast, but I'm sure if we, if we went down it, there's like something problematic about other things that I enjoy. Right. And so I guess I would just say, for me in particular, based on these circumstances and based on the fact that there are a lot of other games out there uh, that I could enjoy without having to worry about that, uh, I, I'm probably going to pass on the fracture, but whole, mm. because I, I just, it does make me feel uncomfortable hearing hearing how some people have reacted to it, mm-hmm. and, I, and I want to try and understand where they're coming from. Right, for sure. Interesting. I am going to I'm going to do I'm going to do some reading about that. I want to see what other people are saying about that. I'm very curious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah please, please do. Uh, please give it some consideration. But I don't hold it against you if you continue to play the game. You know? <laughs> I'm definitely going to continue playing the game. Yeah. Well, uh, as for myself, uh, I've been looking for a while for a game to play on the Nintendo Switch because I think it's a very cool system. But I haven't really latched on to any games that came out for it yet. What about Zelda? I thought Zelda was good. I. I got like, uh, so I played it for like 10 hours and then my Switch broke and then I replaced it mm-hmm. and I played for another like 10 hours and I was like, eh, I think I'm good. I think I'm good for now. Are you serious? Yeah. You? Yeah. Like it was a good game and I still might go back to it. It just, I, I was just kind of like, I got the feel for what it was about, about the moving around and like seeing the world, but there wasn't enough there to keep me coming back. I t- what, I t- I t- 
What are other people saying about it? Because I haven't talked about it with anyone. Other people are saying it's like one of the greatest games of all time. That's what I thought. One of the best Zelda entries of all time. And yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can see and appreciate what's cool about it. And just, I, there was not enough of like a story there, I think, would help. And then like, some, there needs to be either, without a story, like some really satisfying like gameplay loop. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, has a total nonsense story, but... The part where you you uh, sneak into an enemy base, you knock out the guards, you capture the guards, and send them back to your base to indoctrinate them, which is also a troubling thing if you want to sit down and think about it. <laughs> yes. uh, and then when you when you get these troops and you convert them to your team, it raises like your research abilities and lets you buy better gear and better techniques for a snake, so you can do a better job of sneaking into the base. Right. And so that whole process I, I found very addictive. Right. And satisfying. Yeah. So you, is, is, uh, is it open world? I know that we're not talking about um, the game that you're playing right now, and I, we're really going off, uh, we're really digressing here, but I haven't played the new Zelda. I, what exactly, it's, it's beautiful though, right? Yes, it's beautiful, and it is very open world. What's the combat like? Combat is good. Uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me is that there is a... Uh, every weapon has durability. Okay. So you pick up a ton of different weapons, like swords and axes and spears and stuff, but they all have a limited health to them. I hate that. I'm not a huge fan. It makes you... It makes me not really want to engage with the combat as much as I might otherwise. Right. Because I, what if you have, like, a killer weapon? What right. do you do with the killer weapon? Like, are there is, is are there spells or something to make a weapon impervious? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I think you there are things play you can. Yeah, I mean, there there are, might be things you can do. Uh, I do know later in the game you get the master sword, and that I'm pretty sure is indestructible. Okay. Like you can just use that forever, however much you want. Okay. But other than that, yeah, like you can get some sweet weapons, but they just like break. Uh, all right. Hmm. So what are you really playing? I'm playing Steam World Dig Two, okay, and I'm really liking that. Okay, that was the first Steam World Dig was a game I played on the Nintendo 3DS. That was like basically the first game I played on that system, and that was good. It's a uh, kind of like a, a Metroidvania. Metroidvania is being like you kind of explore around a big sort of open map. Castlevania and Metroid together. Yes. Okay. So like there's a big open map, but certain areas are blocked off. Until you acquire certain powers that can only be found in certain other areas. And you kind of have to go around in the right order to the different spots to get access to the whole map. Oh. You know what this kind of looks like is uh, it like a, like a sophisticated Terraria. You know, that, that's a very good uh, comparison. Yeah, Terraria. Because you do end up like literally mining into the ground. Yes. And then you are mining for jewels that you can then take back up to the surface with you. And sell them to get upgrades so you can go further underground oh. and mine rarer jewels and minerals and bring them back up and so on and so forth. Who do you fight? You can fight, uh, like, different bugs are trapped underground that you'll run into. Uh, there is a cult running around in the game that you are trying to kind of solve the mystery why this cult is here and they will attack you. There are some other different random monsters going on. You meet humans underground, but they don't actually for, uh, fight you they're kind of just like sequestered into this one town pretty okay. much it's it looks beautiful 
it looks very beautiful. So what's the end goal of the game? Do you know yet or no? I do. I've, I've beaten the game. Okay. How many uh, hours did you play? I played for about 10. Okay. And I think I'm going to go back and try and get 100% completion on it. Oh, okay. Fantastic. And like, and like what really was so enjoyable is the way you move around. Because uh, you start off and you can kind of just, you, you know, you've got pretty good mobility. You can run pretty fast. You can uh, do like a that wall jump thing where you can uh-huh. pop up the wall. Oh, so fun. <laughs> so fun. And then you get a hook shot. Ooh. And the hook shot is great because it lets you ascend to places you couldn't otherwise get to. But also you can kind of uh, hop around on the map because you can like hook yourself up to the top of the, the ceiling, drop down, and then shift in midair to the right and then latch onto the ceiling and again. And then hook again. Yeah. Oh, wow. That sounds really fun. It is. And then there's some pretty tight platforming going on when you're... Uh, using the hookshot to get around, and it makes you feel really cool when you're flying <laughs> around on the map. It's got like, a really good feeling to it. Like you're really good at, at it. Yeah. And to get a little bit deeper into the game, eventually, after you're really good with the hookshot, you get rewarded with a jetpack. And the jetpack makes you feel like even more of a badass, right. like flying around. You feel like now you can go anywhere, and that was like the coolest feeling. Like now you can just see anything you see, you can go and get to now. So it's pretty satisfying in that you are collecting things and, like, you know, like, with with the progress, with the hookshot, you can move around faster. And with the jetpack, you can move around faster. I can see the, the hookshot uh, navigation. And I can see the jetpack navigation. Yeah, that seems really satisfying. Uh, what is the end of the game? Uh, the end of the game Spo- is... Spoiler alert. Well, uh, so in the first game, SteamWorld Dig, you played this character, Rusty. Mm-hmm. And you knew this girl in town named Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And in game two, you are Dorothy, and you're trying to find what happened to Rusty after the end of the first game. Oh, I like that. That's good. Yeah, and, and at the end, you you do happen to find out what happened to Rusty. And Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He died. <laughs> That's not, no, that's <laughs> fake spoiler alert, he did not die. Okay. Which I guess is technically a spoiler because now I'm saying <laughs> Spoiler that he alert, he lives. He lives. <laughs> so spoiler, Rusty lives. But you figure out why he lives and where he's been and what's going on cool. in, the, in the mines, in the ruins. And this came out eight days before uh, Cuphead came out. Yes, yeah. When did you get Cuphead? I got Cuphead like a night or two after it came out. I didn't get SteamWorld Dig 2 until after that. Okay. How and, long have you been... And you already beat it, and you played it for 10 hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the... That was the great part about it being the Switch. I'd play it on the train. Right. Uh, right. When, when I could find a seat. Right. And then, uh, you know... You, you have your arm around the pole, and you're like... <laughs> yeah. Just bumping into people. Oh, boy. Uh, but this was the game that made me feel really cool about having my... Uh, my Switch is like I could take this on the go, right? And I could play it at home too comfortably. I and mean, you just—I never even use a TV feature of the Switch. I just play in bed. Like that's what I do want you to do. Really? Yeah. Uh, so the new Mario—it's come out, right? It is coming out on October twenty-eighth. Oh, okay. That was my next question. I mean, obviously you've pre-ordered that, right? I haven't yet, but I'm probably gonna pick it up. Okay. Uh, I'm so curious because it's so weird looking. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you about that. 
I will be happy to report back. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick it up. Okay. It just, yeah, it looks really weird. It, is, it looks weird, but even you got to think outside the box in order to get new and better. You know, you got to take risks. Mm-hmm. Got to take risks. In, in a weird way, it feels like this is the sequel to Mario Sunshine back okay. on the GameCube, and like everything in between has been kind of like some diagonal step or something else. Because like. Mario 64, you know, you're in the castle, you go into the paintings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in Sunshine, you're in the town, and you go into, like, the different things. They're not paintings, but they're basically paintings. Right. And here in Odyssey, you are in New Donk City, and you're going to the different spots to take you to different worlds. Right. So it feels like this is the most thematically, in that way, thematically similar to those two games uh, as compared to, like, new Super Mario Brothers. Even Galaxy. Like, right. Galaxy is, like... Going to a world, I, I, I actually, I'm sorry, so I haven't played Super Mario Galaxy, so maybe I'm wrong. I played a demo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you are the expert here. Would you consider <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy a fitting sequel to Mario Sunshine, like a middle step between Sunshine and Odyssey? I don't know. I don't know. I only played the demo. The expert has spoken. Okay. <laughs> We're not sure. We'll have to wait until the game comes we out. We don't to know. know. <laughs> uh, I, I just think like adding. I, I love and hate the novelty of, like, let's add, let's give Mario one gray hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's great detail for people who have been around a long time. But is it? Like, is it overkill? What are you doing? What are you really focusing on here? No one can improve past Super Mario World, period. There's never been a greater game. I, it's, I think it's been pretty, uh, that was like the, a peak <laughs> of, the for peak. the franchise. And I think all this new extra stuff, that's great. But, you know, I don't know. I see Mario running and I see like Bowser and it's like, looks like Vegas. And I'm just like, where do we draw the line, people? There's a song. This is the apparently the first time a Mario game has ever had like a song with like vocals in it. Oh, no. Who sings it? In in canon or like who is the singer like the actual singer? Uh, like or both? I don't care about the actual singer. It's it's uh, performed by Pauline, who you might remember as like the person that Mario is rescuing in Donkey Kong. What? Yeah, because uh, yeah, but prior to Super Mario Brothers, Princess Toadstool slash Peach was not a character. So back then it was Pauline. I shouldn't watch this. I think it's cute. I think it's charming. They're real people. I don't like that they're real people. Why is Mario with real people, though? I mean, he's not people, so it's okay. But he's not people. Yeah, he's not people. But he's not people. Right. But that doesn't mean they, they can't hang out together. I don't like that he's with people. There's a great uh, Twitter meme, which is uh, Hayao Miyazaki. is this Japanese animator guru guy. And like he was talking to his staff about how they were using CGI in their movies. Uh-huh. And it's like... This is an affront to humanity. There's no soul to this, and it's awful. 
and then they take those like stills of him saying that and put it with Mario, like with real people. I like that very much. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. And there's something that makes me feel dirty about Mario being with people. Real people. I don't like seeing the trailers of real people and real singers and real dancers. But I like the hat idea. (laughs) The hat is new and like, you know, I've seen the... The gameplay trailers, and I'm like, ooh, exciting, a hat. And look at all these different worlds. It's what I love about Mario, where it's like sand world and ice world and all these worlds. Like, but still, people, get off the street. Why are you in something that reminds me of Times Square? Get out of here. That's the deal breaker, the, the Mario with people? Yeah, he's not a people. <laughs> I mean, I'm fully it's with Mario. you. Yeah, Mario is just Mario. He's he's not. He's human. not. A, he's not human. He's not an alien. He's not a cartoon. He's just Mario. He has nipples, but I mean. And like very, very detailed hair. <laughs> very detailed hair. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, uh, they're like, the next step is like making him look hot. Did I mention that he has nipples now? <laughs> I wonder how many nerve endings are in his nipples. Are they like regular or are they Mario nerve endings in his nipples? Does he have nerve endings in his nipples? Are they cosmetic? Is he trying to fit in as people? So he had nipples, a nipple power up. Does he have a dick? Does Mario have a dick? He doesn't age. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's getting younger, I think. He's like supposed to be like 25 now, yes. I feel like. I know. And, like, back in the day, they made him have this huge gut. And he doesn't have it anymore. He clearly cares about the way he looks. Good. That's good. That's Isn't not... it? Yeah. Is vanity good? Uh, to an extent. <laughs> okay. I think body image should be more... Uh, some, uh, there should be more okay shapes for positive body image. But, I mean, good physical health is important. Good physical health is important. And he's Italian. And they eat a lot of carbs. Man. Maybe he's on, like, a keto diet now. Maybe. In which case, he has to watch his blood sugar. See? He, we're humanizing him now. We're anthropomorphizing Mario, and I don't like it. Don't like it. He's not a person. The next Mario game is going to be an AR game. Gonna, <laughs> you are going to run around the world with Mario. No. No. Wait for it. Bad. 2023. Anyway, this yeah. game you're playing. Yeah, so Steam World Dig 2 <laughs> is really good. It costs uh, 20 bucks. I'm playing it on Switch. I think it's also out on Steam. And I think it's coming to PS4 and Xbox down the line. Great. I would be really interested in playing that game. I would really highly recommend it, especially for people who like old school style, like 2D platformers. This is a very good example of that genre with some fresh takes on it, too. And you're talking about having the freedom of uh, of traveling in this world with different implements that you you get. You get the hookshot, you get the... The The jetpack. The jetpack, thank you. Uh, something about Terraria, which this reminds me of, is uh, the frustration that I felt every time it friggin' gets dark out. What was that game? Uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for Nintendo. Oh my god. Right? Every time it gets dark out? Yeah. Is that right? I, I don't know. Just bad, bad news. Every time it gets dark out, you get attacked by monsters, you have to stop what you're doing. So even if you're really far underground and far away from home... You just, you get attacked by zombies and flying eyes, and it's like, it's real time. I have to wait all night? What am I going to do in my little house? 
while I wait. So what I'm saying is <laughs> that I stopped playing Terraria because I get frustrated every time it got dark out. Okay, then maybe think about this. You have to have a lamp in SteamWorld Dig 2. And, and that you... is fine. Okay, you're okay with a lamp? It's okay with a lamp. Okay, because the, the lamp will exhaust itself and it will be dark. And that is fine. Okay, all right. Just wanted to mention that. That is fine. That okay. is, that is, that is, that's utilitarian. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you... that realism. You are at the reins of that lamp. You can't control the day and night cycle in Terraria. That's the difference. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I can prepare. I'm like a Boy Scout. I'm going to have eight extra lamps if that's what it is, or fuel, if you will. I don't know the way it works yet. Anyway, sounds like a great game. Check it out. Give it, <laughs> give it a shot. Yes. All right, and so that's what we've been playing. Di, before we continue, we're going to do... A relatively new feature for the podcast. This is Bill's Magic Minute. Oh, hell yeah. So, I love it already. <laughs> I don't get a lot of chances to talk about Magic the Gathering, but I do request one uninterrupted minute to talk about it here so I can just vent my spleen, get it all off my chest. I have the stopwatch on my phone open so you can keep track of the time. Just uh, give me uh, a sign when it's time to go and give me a sign when it's time to stop. Ready, and go. There's been this ongoing kind of discussion slash controversy surrounding the way that deck lists from Magic Online are distributed. Recently, it became known that pro players would play in the Constructed Leagues and drop at 4-0 and when they could play until they were 5-0 and because that way they could avoid having their lists published on the Magic the Gathering website. And this actually came as a bit of a surprise to the developers, I think, because they were expressing some frustration on Twitter at, because of it. Meanwhile, players are kind of lamenting that the deck lists that do get published aren't showing an appropriate slice of the metagame. They're too similar, and they don't allow for the discovery of new technology. It feels like they really could just publish all the deck lists. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard to do. They have all the information. There probably would have to be more like, time and manpower outlay, but I think they could do it. Stop. Oh yeah, good job. You, oh. Man, that was like a that was like a pro uh, uh, radio guy. Man, my vernacular is toast today. I smoked this bowl before you came over. See, I didn't feel like it was polite for me to ask, but if you're going to tell me... <laughs> Pro radio guy, did you hear that? Yeah, that's that's called a DJ die. Bye, Billy. Everyone. Well, I appreciate the compliments all the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one minute exactly, so that was very good. Well, thank you, and that concludes the Magic Minute. We're going to move on to the Choose Your Fighter segment. Here we go. Of the episode for this. Die and I go back and forth. Uh, with one article, news event, or upcoming game that we're interested in. Something one of us is left standing. I think you won last time. Does that mean you go first? Uh, I. Would you like to go first? I feel like I go first a lot. Well, I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Alright. So, uh, man, my article came out about five hours ago. It says that gaming videos are bigger than HBO, Netflix, and Hulu combined. So, I mean, people watch video game. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's, there's reviews, there's uh, live streams, there's all those things. 
but they took this information from YouTube and Steam, and there are, this is the audience size from 2016, I mean, YouTube and Twitch subscribers, I mean, they, they drew 517 million where Twitch drew another 185 million. The next closest competitor is HBO. They had 134 million subscribers. Now, they are, I mean, like, obviously, Twitch and YouTube are free, and, like, you have to watch the ads and stuff. But, like, just, it's it's crazy how much video content, how much video gaming content is out there and how much is being watched. You can go to any of these and... Like, uh, what are the most popular? Like, Game Grumps? Uh, PewDiePie. PewDiePie, <laughs> yeah, I know, me neither. Uh, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd doesn't uh, even come out with that much, but, like, every uh, single video has millions of views. Yeah. They're the really old ones, and they're not, they're of bad quality. I mean, the guy's funny. I think he's funny. I like it. I think he's got a. You know, I, have, I take, I take some issue with him for other reasons, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know the whole like Ghostbusters thing. And, yeah. Uh huh. But credit to, credit to him for getting a gimmick and finding that niche early on in YouTube's sure, life. Sure, exactly. And Lack of credit for the rest, right? Of course. Uh, but just the fact, like, I don't know. It's. It's it's pretty crazy how many there are. You have people like, um, I don't know, I'm an actor, and I've met with a couple of different, um, I have an agent here, but there are touring agents. That's a thing that happens in L.A. And I've met with two touring agents. When you say it, can you describe that for us? Um, they, they pretty much, uh, they book you on tours. Okay. So okay. they are your tour agents. Uh, my agent now, um, this is my second agent. My first agent that I had for six years was a very big one in the city. And, um, my, non-exclusive. My agent that I've had for two years is exclusive, so I can only book certain things through her. Uh, booking, uh, like, tour agents are, like, booking agents, they are... They just, they, they put you on tour and they put you in front of a bunch of people live. And the, the one that I had an interview with, they, that's Game Grumps agent as well. And I'm like, wait, they go on tour? And they I was in, like, yeah. they were in at the Chicago Theater. Yes, exactly. What? Yeah. Like, what, Lana Del Rey plays the Chicago <laughs> Theater. What, Game Grumps? What? So what do they do live on stage? And this is what I'm thinking, like, they are such... Gaming videos are so popular, and it's so lucrative of a... And you're just playing games. You're not a comedian. You're not a... You know, you're you're not... An, you're not really an entertainer. You just are probably a funny, entertaining person who loves playing games enough to where you can talk about it, and people just eat it up. And that's great for them. But at the same time, I'm like, holy cow. It just shocks me. It shocks me. I mean, I uh, had a kind of a moment where I was like, whoa, I'm of a different generation when I went to PAX East. Yeah. While I was there, I heard, uh, I was by, like, the concession area, and, like, next to that was where the autographs were being signed and stuff, and I heard a bunch of screaming and squealing, and uh, someone was like, what was that? And I was like, oh, Mark Plyer's over there. Mark Plyer, I have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is either. So, 
And I'm sorry, technically it's Markiplier, I think. Marka? Maybe? Maybe? I'm just going to... The more I say it, the worse it's going to get. We're just going to look at Markiplier. Markiplier! So he has... Markiplier! Markiplier! <laughs> hey, get your Markiplier hey, over here. Uh, hey, I'll give you a Markiplier, okay? Hey, I'm Markiplier, and I'm from the south side. I... Uh, I, my name is a Marco player. I am not a human. I am not a cartoon. I live in a Mario. Mario world. This character is out of control. All right. And done. So, he... Oh, my God. What the hell happened? I just had it. I just had it. <laughs> His channel has over 7 billion total video views and 18 million subscribers. He is currently the 25th most subscribed channel on YouTube. But what does he do? He uh, plays video games. Wow. And... Shows it on YouTube. What type? What types of games? Uh, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia, a Wikipedia. He plays mostly survival horror games. Okay. And what's his what's his niche? Like, what does he? Why why is he why is he popular? I guess. You know, I I, I think from this very little I know is he is a handsome man. It helps. Yes. I have to look him up. I'm sorry. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, Bill and I, how can you not know this He's guy? He's not good looking. I think like all the, the screaming and squealing were from like teenage girls who are, think he's very cute. Oh man, he is not attractive. And perhaps, perhaps this is because I work with some really good looking actor men and they are professionally good looking. But boy... He is not a looker at all. Continued. I guess just my point was that this represented kind of a realization that there is this whole class of celebrity that young people know that we don't. We don't. We're not aware of it. But I mean, when I think about it too, most of my TV watching or screen watching right now, I watched all of BoJack Horseman over the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And before that... I don't know that I can remember the last television show that I watched. Right. And I watch a ton of Let's Plays and, like, streaming online. My viewing habits have totally shifted over, the, like, the past five years. Mm -hmm. I just... Regular, conventional TV, I, I just don't watch it anymore. Me neither. And I don't have cable. Uh, you know, my roommate has his fire stick, and that's how we've been watching baseball playoffs, which are very important to me to watch. <laughs> Other than that, No. Nothing. So, uh, no, I'm right there with you. And I do, you know, I do watch, I do watch the occasional, like, I'll watch Game Grumps sometimes for, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to check out Cuphead before I got it. I just wanted to see their, their take on it. And that's what I end up doing. I go to, you know, you like one and you go, you end up going to them over and over again. Yeah. And I have issues with Game Grumps, like, a couple of issues with them. Ugh. We won't go over that now, but uh, I still I still watch it. I still watch their playthroughs. I mean, me too. I like not specifically Game Grumps, but like yeah, I will watch like video after video from these different uh, content providers, and just yeah, it does not surprise me that much that these uh, figures are coming in where like Twitch and YouTube are comparable service providers to like HBO, right? But not comparable. Beyond. Just beyond. I, like, you think of it, we're, we're from the time of, like, you know, you invest in something. Like, Game of Thrones costs a very pretty penny to produce. 
and you know people subscribe to HBO Go mostly for Game of Thrones, right? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> it's primarily what that is. Uh, and I understand that when you identify with a with a media figure, of course you're going to go crazy with that. It's a little more difficult to identify with just actors. So you have these people who are doing Let's Plays and playing video games and like giving their commentary, and it's like, they're real people. So that makes sense to me. But still, I'm also out of touch. So, <laughs> uh, so should I... Uh... Should I do my thing? Oh, yeah, do your thing. All right, I'll do my thing. Do your thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about Visceral Games, the studio, shutting down. That happens this week. They, I think, are best known for making the first two Dead Space games. Uh, Dead Space was more of a strictly survival horror game, and Dead Space 2 was more of an action game, but both got very positive reviews at the time of their release. And now this studio is no more. They were working on a single-player Star Wars experience. That was their current project. Right. They, were, they were headed up by this uh, woman named Amy Hennig, who had worked on The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And she's been a long-time industry figure, and she had been brought in to look over the Star Wars game, and now it's done. And really not reading the tea leaves too hard. It's pretty easy to tell. They didn't like that, and by they I mean Electronic Arts, EA, mm-hmm. the company didn't like that this game was going to be a single-player game, and they wanted a game that was easier to monetize. Okay. So no online capabilities for multiplayer either? Well, uh, we, we don't really know a lot about the game that gotcha. they're making. So there are probably going to be some multiplayer capabilities in there. But they're looking... They basically say, we want to make a Star Wars, but Destiny. Gotcha. Make, uh-huh. Like, something with more open-endedness, more opportunity to build expansions into it, more opportunities to, like, sell cosmetic items and right. loot boxes and all that jazz. Right. So so they just put the nail in this coffin because they don't see it easily monetized? Yeah. They did not think that the game that was being made is profitable enough or would be profitable enough. Interesting. Very interesting. What about, like, DLCs and stuff, though? Uh, you know, there there is a market there for that, but I, I, I can't say, you know, with authority how it works every time. Sure. But I would say that for some of these games where it's a single-player experience, it's a lot harder to bring people back in once they step away. Sure, like, sure. Getting someone to come back for, that, like, that lost middle chapter mm-hmm. or the epilogue <laughs> right. is a bit harder than if it just, like, there's no ending to begin with, you know? Right, right. That makes sense. Interesting. Uh, so, this game is just being thrown out. Yes, they they are going to appropriate any assets they can towards this new project, this more multiplayer online focused game that they're going to start working on. So it's like uh, they started building a house and they're going to tear it down, but first they have to bring all the copper out of the walls because that shit's expensive. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I just, I I bring this up because recently there has been a lot of talk about getting game developers paid and how consumers are induced to spend their money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because on one side, people are very, very unhappy with the proliferation of loot boxes in a lot of different games. And also recently there was another article that was pretty interesting where Activision talked about how they can 
build in microtransactions to the game that interact with your matchmaking. And what I, what I mean by that is, for example, the example they use is, say there is a cool new gun in this online shooter you're playing. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you buy that gun, you get put on a map where that gun is really good, and you get paired against people who don't have that gun. Oh, that seems really unfair. Yeah, that seems really dirty. <laughs> yeah, that's really bad. That's very bad. And so, like, on one hand, those practices are pretty uh, chilling. Yeah. And, like, really fighting at people's base impulses to consume and to gamble. Yeah. And on the other hand, you have game developers who are like, look, we are having trouble here making games that are profitable and making a living wage. Like with Cuphead, mm-hmm. one of the things they talked about in the lead up to it is how they had to re- they had to mortgage. I, I I say they I don't know exactly who the developers are, but someone involved had to mortgage their house to make sure they had enough money to finish making the game. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing I do not want the game developers to have to do. Right, I do not want them to have to stake their entire financial well being on the success of one game. Absolutely. Thankfully, that game has sold a million copies. I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, they should be fine. But for a lot of developers, it's not going to be fine. Right. Because they're, yeah, I mean, that's that's everything. That's their whole lives. Uh, yeah. Especially if they're indie developers. And even if they're not, I mean, they have, if you work for a company and you own that company or have stock in that company, which is, you know, not, it's not like a, it's not like a rare thing. Ugh. How do you know? You know, like you can't forecast success. No, no. I mean, that that was part of the risk of like a single player game is because mm-hmm. those can flop and have a lot of or few options mm-hmm. on how to make that money back if the game does not sell well out of the gate. Right. Yeah. And I think just at its heart, it talks to the fact that a lot of consumers do not like the idea of paying a fair price for a reasonable product. They like the idea of paying a low price for a reasonable product. Right. The perception that they got a deal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's an understandable impulse. I think people are, are naturally inclined that way. And that's, you know, I, I get it. I, sure. I can empathize. I, right. I like buying games for cheap. I like getting a, what I think is a deal. Right. But then it means that on the flip side of that, game developers are going to try and play dirty to make it so that you don't get a deal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so strange. I, I don't really, I haven't really thought about it like that ever. You know, I pay like sixty to seventy dollars for a game, and then I just play it. I mean, that's one way to look at it, and probably like a good way to look at it. Like not obsessing over like finding the exact right price point for a game, right? Or being like, I'm gonna wait three months to play it when it's cheaper. Which I've done before, and like, I mean, I got the like I said, I got the stick of truth for free because I bought uh, the fractured foot hole. And I didn't really, I would have bought the fractured bubble anyway because I read a good review about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, just game development is getting more and more expensive, and the price of games isn't necessarily rising in proportion to that. Games right. still, games cost less than they used to. They do. How much did you pay for a Super Nintendo game? Right, like 80, 70 or $80, right? Yeah, back in like 1994 money. Yeah. Like I a, remember when Nintendo games were sixty dollars. Uh, I always remembered I had to have sixty dollars to buy a Nintendo game when it was brand new, and uh, that's a Nintendo game, and it was always a gamble. Do you remember like 
Uh, oh, a boy in his blob. Sure, I'll <laughs> I'll buy this. Oh, this is a really fun, great game. Oh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Of course, I'm gonna buy this game. Uh, this is a really fun game. Like, what about the games that were bad? You know, or the games you like? They're just pointless to get past a level. Anyway, yeah, I could see that because they what they cost almost nothing to make those games. These games are ridiculous. They look like real situations happening in real time. They don't look like video games. They look like they've been recorded. I mean, that has to take so such big teams, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, studios all over the world work together on, like, the Assassin's Creed game. It's, like, literally, like, six or seven different studios. Right. Hundreds of people. Millions of dollars invested. I've never really thought about it like that. I met with, um, you know, like, I write TV stuff, and I met with a couple of animators, uh, Bento Box for one of them, uh, who makes Bob's Burgers, and oh, they yeah. talked about, you know, traditional animation versus computer animation, and uh, how it takes almost an entire, I think it's nine months, to make a single episode from start to finish. And they start one, and then, you know, one, one part of the team, the first chunk, start one episode and then they're done with it and they pass it on and then they start the second one and in the course of nine months they'll get what like 12 episodes or something right right and uh i haven't i play a lot of games and i've never really thought about the development of games uh in that way you know i mean it's not the development of games and the development of film and TV are coming together they're becoming more alike not less <laughs> right. <laughs> right 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 uh, you know, like, I do, I have a lot of news coming up on my phone about, um, <laughs> Dragon Age 4 <laughs> and Bioware and, like, where Bioware is right now and, uh, Dragon Age 4 hasn't even been officially confirmed, but it is definitely happening because people are talking about it and they're, like, there's leaks happening and, like, someone mm. talked about it being a thing. So, uh, but, I mean, like, what are we going to expect that out 2018, 2019, no, probably 2019. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that is a team, an enormous team of people working on so many different aspects of this game. I mean, and that game isn't even that detailed. You have people writing the lore. That's that's their job. You have people doing this. That's their job. You know, it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. You can even just look at the Bioware game that came out this year, Mass Effect Andromeda. Right. That took years to develop. Right. It flopped, and now they're just done. They, yeah. They, it's just like, well, no one's going to play this game anymore. We just got to move of, on. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. I mean, look at Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. Ten years in development. Ridiculous. Ten years. Yeah, they're lucky that that took off, man. They, they got very lucky. <laughs> they like, did. I'm not sure they made back all the money they spent on that. Probably but they, not. But they probably did better than they hoped. Uh, yeah. I'd have to think. Did you play Mass Effect Andromeda? I did not. I, I heard some pretty uh, not good reviews. So you didn't at no. all? No. You didn't even try? Huh. Maybe. Maybe when it's cheap enough. <laughs> and full circle. But I think that's what I want to talk about with terms of, and that just is visceral games and like what that means about the game making environment. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think that brings this episode of So Many Bits to a close. Mm -hmm. Here I go, researching Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> Whoa! It's now available for free. Yeah, if you have uh, the EA. The EA, yep. 
Diane, I'm going to declare this Choose Your Fighter segment a draw. Okay. You know, I think both sides tried hard. All right. Got skinned our knees and got uh, dirt on our jerseys. I'm just thinking of baseball right now. I'm sorry. You know what's funny? I still don't know what the competition actually is. Uh, so before we do our usual ending, I do want to mention that coming up on November 4th, uh, I and other guests from So Many Bits are going to be doing an extra live stream. Mm. Uh, that's going to be in support of the Miracle Children's Network. Uh, they work with hospitals all around the country. We're going to be going specifically with uh, funds for the Children's Hospital here in Chicago, uh, raising money for them by doing an all-day gaming marathon from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I am so bummed that I can't do that. Sorry. You will be missed. You will definitely be missed. Uh, but we'll be having other hosts from the show on. Uh, and we'll be playing a bunch of different games. Uh, some some long, some short, some... They're all going to be fun. They're all going to be super fun. Die, it's going to be the best day of our lives. So mad! <laughs> and if you are watching and contributing on Twitch, then we are doing giveaways. So if you donate at least $1, then every hour we're going to be raffling off a code for a game on Steam. And so that's just for as long as you're making $1 donation. And then if you if you make a donation of at least $20, you'll be entered into a raffle that at the end of our stream we'll be raffling off an NES Classic. So for any $20 donation, it must be at least $20, then we will randomly raffle off a NES Classic at the end of the stream. So just, uh, yeah... Uh, maybe you should uh, stop by and watch us and donate <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I'll post links to our donation page and our Twitch page on Facebook and on Twitter. But I just wanted to get the word out on that a little bit. So bummed. So bummed. Family wedding. Why does my family member have to get married? Well, I have a family. I don't know. You know, I really kind of don't in a way. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go to this wedding. Uh, well, yeah, you'll be happier. <laughs> hey! What? And there it is. But, uh, so we cannot find you. We should not try and find you at this wedding because, first off, that would be rude and weird. And second off, you should be watching the stream anyway. You should be watching the stream. You can find me at diebillick.com. That's my website. And uh, any other uh, weeks aside from the November 4th day, (laughs) I am always playing every Saturday at 8 p.m. with the Cupid players at stage 773 every Saturday, except for November 4th. I will be at a wedding and not playing games. And I'm not bitter and I'm not upset about it. And I will. I do not have FOMO. I don't have FOMO at all. And it will, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be great. You're going to do great. <laughs> Die. Perfect. As for us, we can be reached by email at somanybitspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from YouTube, from SoundCloud. And as I mentioned before, we're on Twitch. We're doing live streams of games, twitch.tv slash so many bits. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts, support, independent art. The, the spirit, spirit of Della compels you. It compels you. Okay, goodbye, Abil. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.